right, well, thanks for coming to uh, our adult Bible fellowship time, and uh, so good to see you folks. We're going to, uh, uh, today, we're going in back into Proverbs again, and uh, we'll be there for quite some time. There uh, are so many wonderful biblical principles that are present within the book of Proverbs, and it's meant to be there to help us. And uh, can you guys, is that uh, stand in the way there? We'll get it out of the way for you. There you go. Help out a little bit. All right, so we're going to be talking about uh, a word that uh, is extremely important in in Scripture, specifically in uh, uh, King James Version, Uh, not so much in the New King James Version. It uh, changes up the words. But that's why it's important when we say when we study Scripture that there's four key things that we look at from uh, to properly understand what's in the Word of God. Uh, so there's four key things, and most of you know them, but it may be fresh to some to some folks. So you always want to look at the historical background. God wrote specific things in specific cultures for specific reasons. So not good application, right? Uh, in other words, Judas went out and hanged himself, you should go and do quickly. Well, uh, that's taking things out of what? Taken out of context, all right? So historically, contextually, then this is where, and a lot of it's going to enter into what we're going to do today, grammatically. So it's very, very important, and uh, that's why Bible school students and uh, seminary students and all that kind of thing spend years studying the Scriptures because they're getting into the Hebrew, which is mainly Old Testament with a smattering of Aramaic, and uh, the New Testament written in Greek. Now again, you don't have to be a Hebrew or Greek scholar or even know the basics because there's so many excellent tools today. Um, I have a, a, a program which anyone here can get. It's just a matter of if you got the money to buy it. It's really the biggest issue. But I have a, a Bible software program called Logos, L-O-G-O-S. It's kind of the premier program, and uh, it's it's not cheap, and uh, they make a ton of money on it, which mm, I don't like that. But anyway, uh, capitalism can be capitalism. It's okay. Uh, but the program itself is basically free. But now if you want anything in the program, you're going to pay through the nose to get it. So uh, I've got about a library of 3,500 books on there. I've spent probably between uh, the computer that you need to run it, which has to be a high-end computer because it's so robust, you got to invest about five grand to get that system up and running. Uh, so it's a heavy investment, but if you're in ministry, it's like uh, anyone else that uh, has tools of their trade. Uh, it's a tool of my trade that uh, is very helpful. <coughs> Excuse me. So when we go through, and you'll see some of the things today, we'll be doing some little word studies about the word uh, beguilement and beguile and uh, looking at it from a biblical standpoint and how the root word, if you will, from the Hebrew is used in other different sections to help us uh, understand exactly what it's speaking about. All right, so we're talking again about uh, Christian character versus cultural relativism uh, on your study sheets, and I hope everybody uh, got one. If not, we've got some up here. We'll be happy to get to you. Uh, We're going to be looking at that. So we're going to be talking about this morning about beguiled. What does the word mean? Well, you'll find it, and especially those of you that have modern versions or the New King James Version, you'll see the word deceive much more frequently than the word, if you will, beguiled. So we need to understand, again, the grammatical input. Now, uh, I said there's four key things to studying the Scriptures. One is 
uh, uh, you look at it historically, contextually. In this case, it's very important, sometimes not so much, the grammatical piece. And then number four, uh, which is extremely important from a doctrinal standpoint, is we look at God's word from its literal interpretation. With the caveat, when we're talking about parables, are parables literal? There are stories to describe something. So parables, uh, uh, even though God has a literal message he's getting, it's symbolic in how he gets to it. When the book of Revelation and in the book of Ezekiel and sometimes in other uh, books that are known as apocalyptic, and we've talked about that word a lot, apocalyptic style biblical writing always has symbolic things to designate, and here's an important piece, prophetic truth. It's not truth of the immediate. It's looking forward to things to come. Again, uh, uh, we're going back in the book of Revelation in a couple of weeks. The the root word for revelation is the Greek word apocalypsis or apocalyptic. Again, you're talking about dragons and beasts and false prophets and uh, things that just are like, it, it almost sounds mythical, <clears throat> but God always describes when he uses symbolic language, he, somewhere he always explains what it means. So uh, that's the other, if you will, exception to uh, when God uses the literal interpretation. All right, so if we go back, and uh, I'm going to skip for a moment and go to Genesis, and uh, I believe I've got on the back page key passages, Genesis 3.13. This starts way, way back, this beguilement, this deception, way back in the Garden of Eden. So one of the key passages, just to set the stage for what we're going to be looking at this morning, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived, or if you will, beguiled me, and I ate. So what we're looking at today is from a practical standpoint, do you ever get beguiled? or deceived? And my strong probable answer is most if not all of us at times have been beguiled, we have been deceived, and we'll understand that from a biblical context and why it's one of those things we have to set our self on guard to avoid. All right, let's get into lesson. So what, again, very quickly, what is character? Well, character, again, is the comprehensive set of traits that make up the intellectual and ethical substance of a person. So who you are, that is your character. What makes you up is your character. If you're an honest, moral, ethical, God-fearing person, and that's how you live, that is your character, and it'll be evident. If, uh, which would be no one here, if you're a liar and a deceiver and a immoral, unethical type person, and that is, it will be evident, and that is a person's character. So what you are is your character. Well, what we're going through again in this series is to have a godly character, a worldview character, one that's based on, on uh, scriptural principles. All right, on the, again, on the flip side of this is relativism. This is the world's way of doing business, relativistic way of looking at things. There are no truths. So the simple definition, which I added this week, there is no absolute truth. You make it up as you go along. Truth changes based on your wants, desires, and situational ethics. Now, that is the antithesis, the opposite of what God wants us to be as his children. And by the way, if someone uh, wants to make a comment or a question, uh, feel free to do so, so 
I, I may not hear you because I don't hear, my, my hearing is worse than my voice, so uh, it's bad. Uh, but if you want to get my attention, just wave your hand and uh, somebody will either yell it out or I'll see it. So feel free to um, participate if you wish to. All right, so what is relativism? Again, as a general concept, the assertion that all beliefs, opinions, judgments, or claims to truth are conditioned by and dependent on contingent factors connected to the persons or groups that espouse them. The theory that the basis for all judgments varies according to time, place, and personal or group perspective. In other words, it's all about what I'm thinking. Truth is what I want to make it today. Is that a godly way to approach truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the the truth. Well, wait a minute. Uh, if you want to look at this from a relativistic standpoint, well, Jesus said, I'm the truth. Well, what is truth? And uh, it's still the same uh, question that Pilate asked. Well, what's truth? And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means what it says. Well, no, it doesn't. That's how uh, the, the current society does it. All right, you go back to a, a previous president. What, is, what does the word is mean? You know, these kind of silly things or whatever. What was the word? Oh, yeah, what is, is, whatever. Uh, uh, the bottom line is you change truth in order to cover yourself. That, that's what it is. That's the last thing we want to do as God's people. All right, we want to speak the truth. Oh, by the way, how are we supposed to speak the truth? In love, of course. All right, let's move forward. So let's talk about the word beguile or beguilement this morning. And uh, all this should be on page one, so at least you have a, a pretty good idea where we're going. All right, so what does it mean to beguile someone or deceive them? The ability of a person to manipulate their environment to their own advantage to change their social or economic standing. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, let's start with those cute little, uh, I called them munchkins this morning. I like munchkins. Uh, lollipop land, whatever that is. Uh, and you got the cute little munchkins who, uh, who come up and... Uh, 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 what do they say to you? Well, uh, uh, Mommy, I, I'm not feeling too good today. And uh, you're like, well, what's wrong, honey? And it's like, well, I'm just not feeling good. And, uh, well, what's wrong? I think I got a, I think I got a fever, Mom, and uh, I don't think I should go to school today. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, oh, my stomach hurts so bad today. It's just, it's just killing me. And, uh, oh, that's, that's terrible. Well, uh, uh, um, what do you think we should do about it? Well, I can't go to school today. I'm not feeling good. And, uh uh, you say, well, that's, that's terrible. Let me take your temperature. And uh, you put the thermometer in their mouth, and you watch them take it out and put it next to the light bulb. So, the, the, you know, it's, their fever is 100, 115. And uh, it's like, oh, my goodness, you got a terrible fever there. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, what are they doing? Well, they're manipulating you. Why? Because they don't want to go to school today. And that could be for a myriad of reasons. Could be because they just don't want to go to school and study, or could be because they're being bullied, could be because they don't like to, who knows, right? But all of a sudden, the manipulation starts, and it starts at a young age. You say, oh, Brother Rich, how would you know about kids doing stuff like that? Well, because I did it. <laughs> of course I did. And 99% uh, uh, of the time, my mom was too smart and caught me. Or I just, I just wasn't good at, uh, I wasn't a good manipulator. But folks, let's get out of the baby stage, and let's take it up uh, uh, into where we live today. And uh, here we have a grown adult, Eve. And Satan says what? Take a look at this. Isn't that good looking? And uh, relativistic thinking. Yeah, God said you die. Yeah, I'm going to really die. So he starts to manipulate the truth. 
Why did Satan manipulate Eve? What did he want her? Why did Satan care if she ate the fruit or not? Why did he care? What did he want? Speak to me, please. Rebellion? Satan's, was Satan in love with God? They hated him. Isaiah uh, 14, Ezekiel 28. Satan's purpose was to rebel against God and do everything he could to manipulate and to wreck humanity. So he comes up to Eve with a purpose in mind. And his purpose was, I'm going to ruin God's perfect creation. And the only way I can do that is I got to figure out how to manipulate Eve into eating that forbidden fruit. What I just stated, by the way, was a semi-doctrinally incorrect statement. What was the incorrect piece? Anybody know? Did you catch it? Who did I blame for the fall? Was it Eve's? Was it on Eve? Uh-uh. You see, the Bible makes it very clear. And if you go back to Genesis, before Eve was created, God had a little chit-chat with Adam. And he said, Adam, here's the deal. You, Adam, are not to eat of that forbidden fruit, that forbidden tree. And if you do, you've got a problem. Eve is created shortly, very shortly after that conversation. And Satan is thinking, how do I get to Adam? Well, in a perfect environment, we're going to get a little husband and wifey here for a minute. In a perfect environment, no sin, there's only two people on earth at this time, it's Adam and Eve. And in a perfect environment, when Adam looks at Eve and Eve looked at Adam, how do you think they felt about each other? Serious. How do you think, Gail? That's after the fall. <laughs> All right, Gail. Uh, here, here's in a, there's no sin yet. No bad feelings, nothing wrong. So it's like, it's like Pastor Rich and Valerie, and I see her for the first time at college. What am I thinking? Huh? I was a very godly young man. Anyway, I look at Valerie and I say, what? Well, there's a good-looking young lady. Is, by the way, is that wrong to think? Of course not. Every one of you guys, you looked at your wife at some point uh, when you, before uh, you married her and said, that's the girl I want to be with, right? I mean, serious, all right? Or, uh, uh, so bottom line, Adam sees Eve, Eve sees Adam. It's a match made in heaven, literally, okay? So they, they're together. It's like, all right, man hasn't fallen yet, but how do I get to Adam? Well, I saw the way he looked at Eve. I saw the way Eve looked at him. If I can get to her, I think she can manipulate her hubby. But I got to get to her first. So, sneaky old Satan goes up to her and he starts to lie and deceive and beguile Eve into, man, this is going to be the best thing he ever did. Now, folks, I'm obviously going here for a reason because this is going to come right to where me and you live today. And Satan does his thing. He lies, he beguiles, he manipulates Eve for a purpose, which is to ruin humanity. That's a pretty big purpose. Eve then does wrong, 
And of course, Adam sees his uh, beautiful new wife. He's in love with her, perfect love, no sin. And she says, hey, hey, big boy. Um, and he's like, hey, speak to me, sweetheart. And uh, she's like, uh, I got something here for you. And he's, and he's thinking, you know, God said I shouldn't do that. And she says, come on, Adam. And uh, what does he do? He eats, right? Okay, so that's how this beguilement starts. It started in the first couple on earth. It's the basis for this whole thing uh, that we're going through. All right, so let's look at some of the definitions here. What does it mean to be beguiled? And folks, this is something we must be on guard for constantly, not only that it's not done to us, but that we don't incorporate this methodology to try and get our way. He's like, oh, I liked it when I was on the other person's shoes. Eh, folks, it goes both ways. All right, to beguile literally means to lead astray or frustrate, usually by what? Underhandedness. Have you ever tried to manipulate your friend or a roommate in college or presently or a spouse or a child or a boss or a whoever it may be? Well, you know, I got to I got to do a little manipulation in order to make this work. Well, that's God's uh, got a little word for that. It's called beguilement or deception uh, to use underhanded tactics to gain a particular gain. To deceive implies imposing a false idea or belief that causes ignorance, bewilderness, or, or bewilderment or helplessness. In other words, the deception comes in, all of a sudden your mind begins to think, well, is that true or not? Folks, in this day and age and what we're going through, through the media and all the different things that are coming at us, what is a constant question we're asking? What is what? What is truth? You watch the news. And, of course, the, uh, the conservatives made this statement fa famous, but what is fake news and what is truth? And I, I listen to conservative venues. I listen to liberal venues at times. And sometimes it's like I don't know who's telling the truth. I don't know who's got the facts. And we're constantly in this state of flux, wondering if we're being deceived. It's tough. Mislead, same concept, implies a leading astray that may or may not be intentional. So a little less caustic. Delude implies deceiving so thoroughly as to obscure the truth. Now, folks, we, it's easy to point fingers at uh, what's taking place in the mainstream media and all those things. But, folks, we do it in our daily life. And God is giving us a principle here not to be deceptive, not to beguile, but to always speak the truth. As soon as you get caught out, caught by the way, if you, if you use these tactics, as soon as you get caught telling a fib, what happens to your credibility? It's shot. When a, a child tells a, a fib, what happens to their credibility? Well, it may not be totally shot because you understand they're children and uh, they need to be developed and to mature, but deception is a horrible thing. Um, I've used this illustration before. I'll use it real quick. With the sheriff's office, <coughs> when I <coughs> would do training for new deputies, as I'd come in and uh, from a command staff perspective, it's like, here's, here's what time of day it is, ladies and gentlemen. You're all going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. We don't like to make mistakes. We don't like to get caught. But here's how it's going to go down. 
if you make a mistake, if you do something wrong and you know it's wrong, if you want to potentially keep yourself from getting fired, here's what you're going to do. These are brand new folks. Here's what you're going to do. You are going to get a hold of me. In certain instances, I was the actual sheriff, and other times the undersheriff. And it's like, I want you to come to me. You say, well, that's breaking the chain of command. I said, you break the chain of command and you come to me. And then you fall on the sword and tell me exactly what you did wrong. If you used too much force on somebody, if you lost your handcuff key in the jail, if you lost your key somewhere, you, you think this hadn't happened, brother? It does. Yeah, you, you forget your gun in your squad. You're like, does that happen? Oh, and uh, you come to me, you fall on the sword, you tell me exactly what you did so I can fix it immediately. You lose a key in a jail with a thousand inmates, we got a big shakedown coming, I'm not going to be happy, but I'm not going to fire you if you come to me. If I find out that you refused to come to me and you refuse to tell the truth, and if on top of it, when we figure out whose keys that were uh, numbered, which they're all numbered, or whose serial number gun was left in the car, whatever it was, and we come to you and say, hey, uh, did you uh, lose X, whatever it might have been? And you, you say, no one deny it, and I find out you're lying to me, guess what's going to happen? Two things. One, I'm going to charge you criminally. So you say, that's a real way to welcome new folks. <laughs> I'm going to charge you criminally. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go on or I'm going to go on local news and I'm going to announce what took place here because the public needs to know, and then I'm going to take you through internal discipline. I'm going to fire you for being a liar, for not being one that sticks to their uh, their principles. By the way, if more sheriffs and, and uh, chief of police would do that, we'd have a lot less corruption. Just a thought. Um, I want a few amends. I knew that to get it. Anyway, uh, uh, what's the point? Same thing with your kids. Same thing with your teens. Same thing with those that uh, may be living under your roof. You want to mislead me. You want to lie. There's accountability. And that's what God's saying here. Don't do those things. Delude implies deceiving so thoroughly as to obscure the truth. Beguile stresses the use of charm and persuasion in deceiving, making false promises. All right. Biblical senses. To deceive, basically the verb to cause someone to believe an untruth. Deception. Causing someone to believe again an untruth. Mislead to cause someone to wander from a proper belief or course of action. Deceitful, marked by deliberate deceptiveness. Deceive thoroughly to deceive in an exhaustive or perverse manner. All right, all these things, are they positive or negative? Rhetorical question, as negative as it can be. All right, so let's go and uh, take a look at some of the biblical things here. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. By the way, that's Exodus chapter 20. What is that part of? The Ten Commandments. Don't lie. Don't lie about what your neighbor did. He repeats it. Second giving of the law, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 20. You shall not bear false witness against your, your neighbor. And you say, well, Brother Rich, uh, I've been to those Sunday night sessions. I know that we're not under law, but under grace now. Is this ever reiterated in the New Testament? Nine out of ten commandments are all reiterated, big word, in the New Testament. Uh, God don't want us lying in the Old Testament. He doesn't want us lying in the New Testament. It's a biblical principle. Tell the truth, no matter what the... Why do, why do kids lie? 
What do they like? Tell me. What do kids like? Get out of trouble. What else? Huh? Convenience. What else? Can't get their way. What else? Why do kids lie? Ah! What did you say, Mark? Oh, avoid discipline. They're scared. We're missing one word. They're sinners. That's why they lie. What? And and Mark is using. I know the what word he's looking for. Valerie, you got the word? Well, it's it's prideful, but they, there's another P word. Uh, who said it? What? Punish. By the way, discipline doesn't necessarily mean punishment, but and that's a good word though because they're avoiding to they're not disciplined in their behavior. Don't want punishment. So, and I applaud Mayor Cavalier Johnson for putting a curfew in Milwaukee last night. Finally, and Cavalier is not a conservative. I know Cavalier. I've worked with him for years. He's a good guy, but he's not a conservative guy. But he got it right last night. He said, listen, you take those kids that are below 21 years old, and 11 o'clock you go home. Do you know the Cavalier got it right and most parents don't? I'm going to make somebody mad now, right? You say, what do you mean? Where's your kids at 11 o'clock at night? Well, uh, I guess they're down at the deer park or whatever it's called. Why aren't they home? Now, uh, I know it's not our kids, but uh, it, it, that's the issue. What's the punishment? Well, that's the, that's the piece we don't know. Well, what's going to happen if they break curfew? Well, I know what, what's going to happen in my house if my kids broke curfew. Not going to be good. They're going to get grounded. They're going to be punishment. Here's the problem. You know why there's uh, why the murders are out of control in the country right now? Why? Because because there basically isn't any punishment. Fifty percent of most murder cases are not being even solved. Nobody gets arrested. When they do get arrested, the district attorneys or the court system gives them a slap on the wrist. Well, you're too in prison. We let them go. All right, who, who, who else got it right this week? And I'm not trying to be political. It just happens to be a good illustration this week. Hey, Governor Evers, right? So they're going to let a murderer go after 25 years, and it was a horrific, horrible, brutal murder that took place in front of two children, and he got 80 years in prison. After 25 years, they're going to parole him and send him on his merry way. Why? Because he got saved and he changed his life and he wants to be a preacher? No, I mean, just because uh, the parole system said get him out. The family contested it, made national news. And the governor, for whatever reason, said, all right, revoke the parole. I'm trying to be nice. He got it right. Now, should there be punishment for bad behavior? There should. There's got to be. Otherwise, you have chaos. So, the Lord God said to them, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. What did God say? Well, naughty, naughty, Eve, you shouldn't have done that. All of a sudden, he lays down the law, literally. Well, Eve, every single woman now after you is going to have difficulty in childbirth because of your stupidity, because you sin. Shame on you, Eve. Every single lady now is going to suffer because of what you did. Adam, did you eat that forbidden uh, tree? Yes. Well, you know, my wife, she deceived me. (laughs) How many of we ever try? I mean, what's the greatest thing you can do when you're beguiled? Well, blame shift. Blame somebody else. 
Don't take responsibility. How many people want to take responsibility? Nobody. That's why your children lie. That's why 20-year-olds lie. That's why people lie to their bosses. That's why people lie in school because if the punishment is greater than the reward, it isn't worth doing. And all God's people said, that's the issue. You want to live in sin your entire life? Sir, I'm showing you there's one person, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to pay for all your sin. You deserve eternal punishment in hell. That's what you're going to get unless you accept the free gift of eternal life. Yes, you've been deceived all your life. Yes, you've accepted a false gospel that you can get to heaven by doing good works. It's not going to work. You are going to pay for your sin unless you allow Jesus to pay it for you. So all of this fits together from a biblical principle. All right, I got to fly here. All right, key passages. Do not be a witness against your neighbor. Prophet, pro- Proverbs, without cause. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause, for would you deceive with your lips? What's he saying? Do not. Same thing as uh, Exodus uh, and Deuteronomy said. Don't come up with some flippant lie against your neighbor or anyone else to try and save your own skin. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. I can't say this is going to work every time, but here's how I've attempted it. And have I failed at times? Yes. I'm still a sinner, saved by grace. Every time something goes wrong, and by the way, it happened at a deacon's meeting this time, I made a decision about a week ago. It wasn't a big deal, but to some people it was a big deal. And I allowed something to take place. It wasn't sinful, it wasn't wrong, it wasn't bad, but some people just didn't like it. So one of the deacons said, hey, you know, I got a call about, didn't say who it was, uh, I got a call about something uh, that took place here about a week ago, and I'm like, okay, what's, what's the issue? It's like, well, they, they didn't think it was a, a proper thing, and I said, oh, boy. Uh, and they're like, do you know anything about it? And I'm like, I'm like, well, let me see, what do I say now? <laughs> How do I manipulate this situation so I don't have to fall on the sword because I am the sole person that approved it? And I said, listen, that's on me. I made that decision. Uh, I said, if uh, you guys don't want that in the future, it's fine. I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. But I did it. I'm sorry about it. And I uh, didn't mean to upset anybody. I said, I didn't, I, I'll be honest, I didn't see an issue with it. But now that I see your point, I won't allow it to happen again. What do you think the guy said to me? Hey, we ought to fire you, you rotten bastard. Maybe they wanted to say that, but that's not what they said. <laughs> they said, oh, Pastor, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Well, it was a big deal before, <laughs> but it wasn't a big deal if you fall on the sword. You see, it's, it's tough and it's hard, and I've seen that through my life. I've done it with uh, when I was, uh, before I had the command staff position, I've fallen the sword. You fall on the sword, people are like, now it's not always going to work, but uh, as a principle, it does. Uh, Proverbs 26, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Oh, now folks, this I know goes on. You say something and you get caught in it and somebody calls you on it and what's the easiest way to try and deflate the situation, de-escalate it? I was just kidding. It was a joke. Have you ever, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise mine. I've I've done it. Have you ever done that? I mean, it's so easy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lamont. Uh, thank you, Paul. 
Uh, I see those heads. Do I see more? And uh, thank you, Dustin. And uh, one more chorus of just as I am. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> but it's true. We all, uh, I won't say we all do it, but I've done it. And it's easy to do. Why? Uh, because you got caught. So you, eh, I'm just kidding. I wonder, well, you done right. You meant what you said. You meant what you said, right? And uh, uh, we, we, we retract it. Colossians 2. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I'm absent of flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfast, uh, steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So, what does he say? This I say, lest any should one what? Deceive you with persuasive words. In other words, guard your doctrine. We talked about it this morning. Guard your heart, guard your life. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. Know the truth, stick with it, do not bend. Don't deceive or be deceived. Beware lest anyone cheat. That's the New King James word. What does it mean? To plunder or take you captive through philosophy and empty deceit. Beguilement, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. <clears throat> so what's he saying? Watch yourself. Check things. Don't accept things on their face. Uh, Friday, Jimmy DeYoung had me on... Uh, his, uh, he's got 600 stations uh, with his worldview uh, update that he does every weekend. So one of the things when I went on there, we were talking about the World Health Organization. I had uh, heard an interview. How many know who Michelle Bachman is? Okay, most conservatives know Michelle. She was a presidential candidate. She's now the uh, uh, dean of law at Regent University. So I heard her on a, a program with Steve Bannon talking about the World Health Organization and the administra current administration was submitting an amendment to uh, the World Health Assembly uh, to make a potential ruling that all nations should basically give up their sovereignty, including America, on health things. In other words, if the World Health Organization says, yep, there's a pandemic today, we're locking down America, that America would say, oh, okay, fine, we'll do it. That's an amendment that our administration put in. So I contacted Michelle and uh, uh, Bachman and basically got the documentation. Well, when I went on the air, I had that documentation in front of me. Why? Because I wanted to know, is this a, a fact or is this just a, a hearsay? Well, I wanted the facts. And that's exactly what he's saying. Listen, do not say something if you can't document it and prove it. Don't go on speculation. Well, Jimmy said that Johnny did X. Did you ask Johnny about that situation, or did you just because you like Jimmy better say, oh, Jimmy must be right, and Johnny's at fault? Do you know how many kids have gotten punished? Do you know how many jobs have been ruined? Do you know how many lives have been ruined in the workplace because of a boss or a supervisor or a manager that took somebody else's word just because they liked them and didn't even hear the whole story and they ruined somebody's life over hearsay. How many individuals, and you see it constantly in the media, it's, it's just a heartbreak, one of my huge heartbreaks. When you see someone that was convicted of a crime by a jury of 12 people on circumstantial evidence years ago, and now with DNA evidence and other things that are now uh, able to prove things, and after 20, 30, 40, 50 years in 
prison on hearsay evidence, they find out that the DNA doesn't match and they set them free after being in prison for decade after decade, missing the growth of their children and their families, loved ones dying without them able to see them because people spoke false information and ruined people's lives. And God says, don't allow that to happen. All right, got about two minutes. Revelation, and to the angel of the church of Thyatira write these things, says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass, I know your works. One, one person who can't fool is God. I know your love, service, faith, and your patience, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. That's great. And he says, oh, but nevertheless, I got, a, I got something against you. You allow that woman Jezebel, and by the way, this is not the Jezebel of the Old Testament, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. He says, you know what? You guys are falling prey to her cutie little looks and her little seductive ways. And you're falling. Now you think sexual immorality is okay. It's not okay. Uh, I made it very clear. God says back in Acts 15, during that uh, first century, cultural issue. Don't you think sacrifice to idols and old Jezebel and whether that was literally her name or they were using the name strictly because it relates to the Old Testament one out of a, a simile or a metaphor if you were a simile uh, you, you shouldn't do that. Clean your church up. And that's exactly what God's saying. Don't, don't fall prey to uh, the lying ways and the deceptive uh, ways of people like that. Well I'm guessing my battery just died. So I will close with this, and I'm out of well, I'm out of time. Perfect. All right. So, what do we do about all this? Well, let's go right back to, and, and end with this. And the Lord God said to the woman, "Why is this you have done?" The woman said, "The serpent beguiled me, and I ate." Guard your hearts. Don't allow yourself to be beguiled. Don't use that tactic. Fall on the what? Fall on the sword. Is it pleasant? No, it hurts. Saying you're sorry is hard. Taking accountability is hard. I'm telling you, you know what it'll do with the, per- with the people that you've done wrong to. They already know you've done it wrong. When you, drop on the, when you drop your guard, apologize, do the godly thing, admit you've done wrong, you're going to make points, if you will, with them, and it's a godly thing to do. Maybe someday that person, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a schoolmate, and you fell on the sword, maybe uh, sometime down the line you want to share the gospel with them, and they're like, you know, I remember you messed up big time, but you fell on the sword, you told the truth, I'll listen. Father, thank you for your love for us. Help us uh, to be on guard against those who would seek to deceive us, to manipulate us, to get us to do the wrong thing. Help our hearts to be guarded. And Father, in the opposite place, Lord, help us as your people, Lord, to realize that not being truthful, to manipulate people, to try and make gain is a horrible thing that you've asked us not to do. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us uh, to be walking with you so that we can live in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Father, use us this week, I pray. Uh, Give us safety as we travel. Bless the Sunday school and high school and others as they dismiss. And help us to walk out of here with a smile on our faith because we know 
that one day we're going to be home with you for eternity. And all God's people said, have a great afternoon.